Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 through 26 say, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you here. And those watching online, good morning. Thanks for letting us come into your home or whatever, wherever you may be watching. Well, this morning, we are starting a three-week series we're calling Refresh. Man, I think we all need a refresh (laughs) in our lives and in our hearts and our relationships. You know, the COVID has brought out a lot of things, good and bad. So for the next three weeks, we're focusing on refresh. Today, we're talking about refreshing our perspective. And then we'll also be talking about refreshing our trust, trust in the Lord. And then finally, we're going to talk about refreshing our relationships. So I think and I hope that this next three weeks will be a refreshing for you, that you will have a refreshing in the midst of whatever you are going through. Well, this morning we are talking about refreshing our perspective, and I'm going to talk about something that's a really, really important and really, really neglected Practice in the Christian life. It's something that all cultures experience and do, but Christianity offers a unique perspective that is ultimately one that gives us hope. Today, we're going to talk about lament. You know, lament is not something that we talk about a lot. It's not something that our culture really values. But I'm going to suggest this to you. Maybe one of the reasons that you feel irritated with your family, frustrated, you feel unmotivated and stuck in your life and your relationship with God, with your family, your friends, your your neighbors, your roommate, and even your relationship with yourself just seems to have bogged down. That may be because you need to lament the loss that's going on in your life right now. So that's what we're going to talk about today. It's something that has really grown in my heart um, uh, since March. And I hope to share with you a little bit, uh, both from experience and God's word, the goodness and the rightness for Christians to lament. So the big idea today is that lament is necessary in order to experience the fullness of God's love. Well, I'd like to pray for our time, and then um, we will uh, we continue on in our, in the message. Let's pray. Oh God, Lord, you know that with COVID, with the unrest in our society, the divisiveness and uh, derision toward other people and whole groups of people, Lord, we know and you know that we are all going through loss. 
something is not right in every one of our lives. Lord, today, would you use the passage that we'll talk about in this message to give us a greater understanding of the capacity of your love for us? That you would show us in a special way that you invite us to be honest with what's going on in our hearts and in our lives, and that you welcome that, that you are a good father. So Lord, I pray for those in this room, those watching online, that we would be a people of lament. Your son was described as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And how will we be ever, be ever be like your son unless we are a people of sorrow, acquainted with grief? May we not dishonestly put on a happy face, but may we lament, but with hope. Lord, would you use our time this morning to refresh our perspective on what's going on in our lives and in our world? I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now today, this message is going to be a little different. Usually we start out with the passage, talk about the passage, and we begin to kind of build out to our families, our, our church, and our culture and the world. We're going to do that backwards. We're going to talk about the world and then society and our families, and then we'll eventually work into the text. So it's a little different today, but I think it serves the purpose well and serves the text well. Well, I don't know about you, but I assume, like for me, I don't use the word lament very often. It's kind of an old-timey word that, it, you know, that, that just has kind of fallen out of style in the West. But it's a very, very important concept. And lament is both something that we create and something that we do. So every time you go to a funeral and someone comes up and gives a eulogy, that is a lament that that person has created. Some of those uh, sad songs that you listened to when you were going through a breakup or a difficult season, those are laments. But this morning, I want to focus more on lament as something that we do. When we lament, we grieve. We acknowledge our hurt, our pain, our anger, our frustration, and our shock. Lament is something that we express in our hearts, we express in our spirit, and we express in our mind as well as our body. If you have ever experienced an intense season of grief, you know that it impacts all of who you are. It, all peoples in all cultures experience lament, but Christian lament offers something radically different than all other forms of lament. And let me illustrate this point to you through um, history. So through the 17th and 19th century, there was a practice in the subcontinent of India called sati. Sati was the practice of when a husband would die, he would be incinerated on a funeral pyre. Sati was when the, the, the widow would 
leap upon the funeral pyre and kill herself, showing to her community the amount of grief she had in the loss of her husband. Now, this practice was voluntary at one point, but as history went on, it became compulsory. So these widows would be forced to kill themselves on the pyre of their husband. Now, in a karmic worldview, which the worldview of the subcontinent of India was at that time, if a widow would look ahead and realize, I'm probably not going to be remarried, I have no children, my life will probably be one of bitterness and lack and suffering, there could be a, a, a calculation that would say, well, maybe I should kill myself. And a karmic view of the world says, well, the good, if, the, if the good outweighs the bad in this decision, we'll just do it. But let me tell you about William Carey. He was one of the first Christian missionaries. And one of the things that he noticed was this practice. And he realized that this practice was so heartbreaking because it lacked the most, one of the most important aspects of the gospel message of which he was trying to communicate. The practice of sati completely lacked hope. It lacked a hope for the present and a hope for the future. So William Carey, one of the first things he did, in, and he worked with local Indian um, officials. So this was not just William Carey, but other Indian officials. He worked to stop the practice of sati because he wanted to tell these widows that there was hope. There was hope not only beyond this life, but there was hope in eternity. And that hope came from Jesus Christ. You see, Christians lament. When, we, when you and I experience very difficult situations, and right now we're all facing very difficult situations. I talked to a young man in the previous service. He was, he's going off to Ohio State as a freshman. And he has one in-person class. No football. <laughs> and you know, if you've been to college, like, like four of the guys in my wedding I met the first week of college. It could be something as seemingly trivial as that. It could be loss of a loved one, loss of a job, loss of health. We are all going through a difficult season. And Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus, we must grieve those circumstances. But we do not grieve without hope. See, Christian lament is grieving, but always grieving with hope. The message of Jesus is, no, is this. No matter what difficult situations you and I face, nothing can be so bad that the love of God cannot overcome. But we still must grieve. You see, in the West, if you grew up in the West, so that's North America, uh, Western Europe, you probably are very bad at lamenting. Now, if you grew up in the East, if you grew up in Africa or even Latin America, you probably lament a lot better. You see, in the West, we have deep philosophical roots that say that you and I should not feel bad about difficult circumstances in our lives. You see, that belief that we really shouldn't grieve, that we should 
turn that frown upside down, that we should put on a happy face, that nothing should bother us, that we should just be these isolated, self-sufficient individuals, that comes from an ancient philosophy called Stoicism. Have you ever heard of Stoicism? If you're, you know, maybe if you said, wow, that guy's really stoic. Stoicism basically believes two things. First is that, that there is some impersonal fate out there who's not interested in our day-to-day lives. And fate just does things. And it impacts us positively or negatively, but there's nothing we can do about it. And the second thing Stoicism tells us is that the way to live a good life is to detach yourselves from the good and the bad things of this world. They have two ideals, ideals in Stoicism. Autarkeia, which is isolated self-sufficiency, and apatheia, you heard of apathy, which is an indifference to the things of this world. That's what Stoicism teaches. And I'll I'll try to articulate it in a more um, contemporary way. Look with me on the screen. Basically, Stoicism teaches, on the circumstances of life, go like this, well, or put on a happy face. See, I think we in the West get trapped into this way of thinking. We either deal with the difficult circumstances as, well, I guess this is just, you know, stuff happens to everybody. Or we become dishonest with ourselves and others and we just put on a happy face. We turn that smile upside down. But you see, Christianity... What the, we see in scripture is that that is not, that should not be our response to difficult circumstances. Our response is not to shrug our shoulders or just put on a happy face. Because the problem with that is firstly, it treats God not as father, but as fate. If we just go, well, things happen, this stuff happens. If we just throw our shoulders up, what we're doing is minimizing God's interest in our lives. We're saying, I guess the God doesn't really care about my circumstances. So I kind of just shrug my shoulders. You know, and I hear that through in in, uh, uh, well-meaning Christians. I hear things like, Well, I'm sure it'll all work out in the end. Well, maybe God just predestined this to happen. You know, I'm sure God's got a plan for it. But when we don't, when we respond to God in that way, we're not coming to him as father. We're really treating him as faith. The second thing that Christianity differs from stoicism is that Christianity believes that this world is broken, but good. If you lose a job, we know that that job won't last for eternity, but that job is a good thing. If you were dating someone and that relationship broke apart, In COVID, you know, as long as that relationship was in the Lord, that was a good thing. So when you lose something that's good, 
the response isn't just to put on a happy face. Do you know why? Because that's being dishonest. It's dishonest. If, but if you make bad things and you call them good. See, a Christian, a Christian who understands who Jesus is and his message, we are to do something radically different than either shrug our shoulders and put on a happy face. And we're going to look at what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to lament. But before we do that, I'd like the team to put those two emojis back up. I would like you to point to which emoji that you most like, that you usually fall into when difficult situations arise. You kind of go, well, I guess God will work it out in the end. Or you kind of turn, uh, put on a happy face. All right, so everyone, everyone point. Which one? Which one do you most likely relate to? Those online, go ahead and point. I relate to the one on the left. I have a tendency to relate to God, not as father, but as fate. And you know what that does? It really impacts my prayer life. Because if God is fate, then my prayers mean nothing. But if it is father, he beckons me to come and share with him what's going on in my life. What I'd like to do now is to look at this definition of Christian lament that we see in the book of Lamentations. You see, God in his wisdom gave us an entire book of lament. We see over and over again in the Psalms, Psalms of lament. So let's turn now to scripture and see how do we, if we are Christians who are going to grieve with hope. What does that look like? So look with me in Lamentations chapter 3, starting in verse 19. But first, let me tell you a little bit about the book of Lamentations. It's found immediately after the book of Jeremiah, and it is a group of five poems about the fall of Jerusalem in 587 BC. It is where the Babylonian empire came, uh, took the possessions, destroyed property, and took many of the people into modern-day Iraq. And this is, these are stories, and excuse me, songs grieving this situation. And we see three vital truths that will allow us to experience the fullness of God. Because Christian lament, it acknowledges our brokenness, it affirms God's power, and it accepts God's design. So look with me at verse 19. Oscar read this uh, right before the message, and we'll look, look at it more closely right now. Verse 19. Remember my affliction in my wanderings. All right? The difficult circumstances and the confusion and the frustration of those. The wormwood and the gall. These are bitter, bitter substances. My soul continually remembers it. It is bowed down within me. Have you ever been in a season of grief where it just seems like your soul is wilted and bowed down like a plant that needs water? Well, that's what the writer of Lamentations is experiencing. The writer is telling God honestly what he is going through. He is being honest with 
his brokenness, and he's bringing that to God. You see, the Hebrew name, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew mostly. The Hebrew name for the book of Lamentations is the Hebrew word echad, which means how. So the book of Lamentations is how can you turn this terrible situation into good? How could you let this happen? How long will this happen? How can I withstand this terrible situation? In God's kindness and wisdom and providence, he told the writers of the Bible to write a book of five poems pouring out their heart to God, and he wants them to title it, How? Look, God can handle your emotion. God can handle your grief. I want to ask you this. If you have a a relationship that you would call loving, shouldn't you always be able to bring what's on your heart to that other person? If you have a relationship that you can't honestly share what's going on in your heart and your life, how can you really call that a loving relationship? God invites us to acknowledge our brokenness before him. That's how a Christian laments. Well, the second thing that we learn about Christian lament, about how to experience the fullness of God's love, is that lament affirms God's power. Verse 21, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I will hope in him. You see, the second reason that lament is necessary to experience the fullness of God's love is that it acknowledges God's power. You see, these five poems in the book of Lamentation are built like a mountain peak. The first two poems build up to the third. And the third poem, in the middle of the poem, is the theological peak. And then the rest of three, four, and five kind of bring us down to a a conclusion. Well, what does this theological peak tell us? It says that God is powerful to forgive. See, I feel like often when we think of God's power, we think of his power to create. We see a beautiful sunset or sunrise. We hear a thunderstorm and we think of, wow, look at God's great power. And indeed, he is greatly powerful in his creating. But the peak, the theological peak of Lamentations is this. God is so powerful because he forgives us. And he forgives us, and he forgives us, and he forgives us. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. You know, some of you um, have been through pretty intense uh, academic programs, many of you in the medical field. Some of you have worked 
pillar weeks, building up your, in the trades, building up your business. Any mom out there has experienced the great difficulty of having a new baby. But I will say one of the hardest things that I know I've experienced is having to forgive someone who has wronged me deeply or even forgive myself for how I've wronged someone else. In this passage, the power of God is shown in that he puts up with us. He offers us forgiveness and it's new every morning. Part of lamenting Part of understanding Christian lament and understanding the fullness of God's love is realizing how much he puts up with. (laughs) All you parents out there, you know this. Your kids will never know how much you put up with. (laughs) They They will never come to you and say, you know, mom, When I was six months old, I was really tough to nurse, and I'm sorry about that. You know, I know every meal required a full dining room cleaning, and I know that I learned the word no. That was the first word I learned. Like, none of your kids are going to come to you later in life and thank you for those years that they don't remember. Look, we don't go to God and remember all the ways we've wronged him. But he does, and his steadfast love is new every morning. God is so, so powerful to forgive us, even when we've forgotten what we've done. And when we lament, we grieve And sometimes we grieve the sin we've committed and we grieve the sin that it's committed to us. So Christian lament, it it acknowledges our brokenness. It affirms God's power. And finally, it accepts God's design. Verse 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. See, the four uh, of the five poems in Lamentations are an acrostic. So it starts with the first one line, starts with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the next line is the subsequent letter of the Hebrew alphabet. You know what that tells us? That the writer of Lamentations took time focus, effort to process through the grief that he and the community were experiencing. What that tells us is that it is God's design that we are patient in our grief. I'm sure some of you here this morning and many of you watching at home, you're probably in a season in your life Well, you are just ready to be over the grief you're experiencing. You're ready to be over loss. And I want to speak especially to those single folks who are listening. Many, many times I've just uh, sat with my wife, Deborah, and thought, man, my heart goes out to those who are single. 
or you just feel separate, you feel disconnected. And that's something that you should grieve and something you should lament. And I know you feel like, man, when is this going to be over? When am I going to be around other people? And obviously, none of us know that. But we know that that longing for it to be over, that's part of God's design. And your job, your task, your commission is to wait on the Lord. The one verse, I remind you, it says, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And maybe this is a season of your life, single folks, where God is honing you. He's crafting you. He's putting his pressure in you and on you so that you will be the type of person to endure through a future relationship. Maybe God does bring a spouse to you. I know statistics say like 95% of single people want to be married. But maybe now is that winnowing time, that purifying time to prepare you for something God has for your future. So lament, it acknowledges our brokenness, it affirms God's power, and it accepts God's design. And if we do not lament, we will never experience the fullness of God's love. And, and this is probably the most important thing I'm going to say this morning. If we do not lament, we can never know Jesus. You see, Jesus, Scripture says, was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And Scripture tells us that before Jesus' crucifixion, on the night he was betrayed, after the Lord's Supper, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he prayed. And he prayed so intently that blood vessels burst on his forehead and he was sweating drops of blood. And that he was grieving sin. He was asking God, if there's any way, may this cup pass from me. But he was not grieving his sin. He was grieving our sin. Because he knew the pain and the suffering and the anguish and the confusion that he would endure on the cross for you and for me. And unless we grieve our sin, we can never have forgiveness and we can never know Jesus. Look, the work and the lament that Jesus did in the garden, that was on your behalf. But only those who grieve of their sin and trust in the hope of Jesus Christ can have their sins forgiven and can experience the love of God. So if you have never grieved your sin, if if there has never been a moment in your life where a light bulb went on and you experienced in your mind and in your spirit and in your body an experience of grief for your sin, you may not know Jesus. And I invite you today, grieve of your sin and receive the gift of salvation. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner. I have sinned. Forgive me of my sin. I trust that your death on the cross and your resurrection can give me new life. That that is God's love gift 
to me, and today I accept it. If you do that for the first time, we want to walk with you. You'll see a number on the screen. You could text Jesus to the number on the screen. We would love to give you some resources and walk with you in this newness of life. Okay, well, we've talked about the kind of theological idea. We've talked about the biblical principle about Christian lament. Well, how do you do it? <laughs> how do you lament? Well, I want us to walk through a framework for how we lament. Every one of us are probably need to lament something going on in our lives. And again, remember, lament is not just for something that you've done to someone else or someone else has done to you. It's also for just the circumstances of life, a lost job, a lost loved one, just feeling sad, having a family member move away. Any difficult circumstance, we must process through lament. And we do that by this. We look in, we look back, we look ahead, and we take our next step. First is we look in. We must look in, not to find the truth, but rather to be truthful about how we're doing. We're never going to find the source of joy and love within ourselves. But we know Christian counselors and psychologists have told us we have to be honest with what's going on, going on inside us. Just as you need to attend to pain in your tooth, you need to attend in pain in your mind, your spirit, and your heart. So you need to figure out, how am I doing, really? Do you look in? Next, you look back. You look back to the cross of Christ and the great gift that God has given us in his son. You also look back in the ways that God has loved us and protected you and guided you throughout your life, the way he's given you good gifts. And you look back at God's care and mercy in your life. And then you look ahead. Throughout the previous series called No Filter, we've been talking about Christ and his coming again, where Christ has promised to come again and restore everything that was wrong. He's going to put it back to right. And we have to live today for that day, knowing that Christ is coming again. So we look in, how are we doing really? We look back at how God's worked in our lives. We look ahead about what he will do in the world. And then we take our next step. You know, Pastor Rick Duncan, he has this really annoying habit that every time I talk to him about something going on, either with the campus or a ministry idea, before the end of the conversation, he always asks me this. Okay, Josh, what's your next step? I'm like, Ugh. you know, it turns the practical, theoretical into practical. What's your next step? Every one of us need to take a next step. I'm not saying the next 10 steps or the next mile you have to take, but each one of us can take that next step in the way God is guiding us. So right now, I'm going to invite the team back over. They're going to lead us in a time of song where we're going to process. We're going to give you a time of prayer to look in, look back, look ahead, and take that next step. So, so Pastor Brian's going to play uh, uh, softly behind uh, the, the time of prayer. He's also going to sing a song and then eventually invite you into that singing. So let me kind of give you an, what this will look like. Say you've just been through a difficult breakup. Let's say that. 
We could be a family break where, where you become estranged to a child, estranged to a mother. Maybe, you, maybe it's a, a, a business relationship gone south. Maybe it's a, a romantic relationship. What you do, you say, God, God, how am I doing really? God, will you show me how am I doing really? What's really going on inside me? You probably think, well, I've been irritable. I've been frustrated. I've been confused. I've been angry. I've been scared. Okay, Lord, I know that you love me so much that you gave me your son, Jesus, that you brought me into your family. And I look, I look at those times in, in, in my life where you've guided me and led me this way and that. I've dodged a bullet here and you've, you've restored this situation. You are a good God. I know you've got something for me. Then you look ahead. You say, Jesus, I know you're coming again. I know you will restore all things. Lord, help me to live today for that day. Help me to be the type of man, the type of woman, the type of boy, the type of girl that I can be ready for that day. And then, God, what's my next step? Do I need to text somebody? Do I need to fast and pray for a day? Do I need to make restitution? Do I just need to put on some worship music in my kitchen and just cry for 20 minutes? What is my next step? And I tell you, if you process in this way, I think God's going to show you what's next because Christian lament is necessary to experience the fullness of God's love. And God wants you to experience his love today.
Lord never ceases His mercies never come to an end They are new every morning New every morning 